In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see you all this week. I missed you all uh, last week. I was, I was thinking of uh, you as I was out there uh, running, and uh, I heard wonderful things from uh, Father Rob Lord. I mean, what a name, Father Lord. I mean, uh, and uh, he, he had a great time with you all, and I heard good things from you all as well about him. And I was thinking that you all have really been uh, spoiled because you've had the dean of the deanery, you've had Father Rob Lord, you've had the bishop, and so uh, you've been eating a steady diet of filet mignon from the pulpit, and now you've got to go back to McDonald's, so I'm sorry for that, but, but again, here we are. Uh, I'm going to give you a uh, super Baptist sermon this morning, if that's okay. Uh, I'm going to give you four words that unfortunately won't alliterate. However, uh, they will rhyme. And I encourage you to take your service booklet uh, and turn to page four because the structure of today's sermon is going to follow the structure of the collect of the day. Now, a little liturgical timeout. Why is it called the collect of the day? That's kind of an odd word. It's because we're coming together to, as one, as the body of Christ, and we're collecting the theme for the day, and we're petitioning God together as one body for a particular grace, that, that he would accomplish what we pray for uh, today uh, in our hearts and in our lives. And basically what we're going to be doing uh, is we're going to be working our way through the, the theological logic uh, of that prayer, of the collect. And, and here are the four words. Manifestation, illumination, transformation, and evangelization. Manifestation. During this epiphany tide, we are celebrating that God has made himself known and that he's made himself known supremely in and through his son, Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one. Uh, By a star, he manifested himself. That is, he revealed himself to the Magi and by extension to all the nations of the earth. At the baptism of our Lord, the Father proclaimed And the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove, revealing that Jesus of Nazareth is indeed, was and is indeed the Messiah, the Lord and Savior of the world. Thus, as an aside, Jesus in his baptism is not becoming God's son. That's important. He's not becoming divine in his baptism, but rather he's manifested as such. Jesus has been God's son from all eternity. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And who's the subject in that prologue of John's gospel? It's the crucified and risen Jesus. Moreover, Jesus was not baptized for his own sake. He's not baptized for the reason that we're baptized. He's the Lamb of God who knew no sin. Uh, He's the one, he's the spotless one who, who takes away the sins of the world. Therefore, he was not cleansed of sin by his baptism. Rather, by his baptism, he cleansed the world and his bride, in particular, the church. Jesus' baptism is this work of new creation. 
And, and some of you know this about me. It's, it's really impossible for me to mention the gospel of John or anything in the gospel of John with, without mentioning that the gospel of John is Genesis 2. The gospel of John is written as this recapitulation. That's a big word, but just shorten it and you'll know what it means. Recap. As a recap and a retelling of the book of Genesis. Think about it. The Holy Spirit, which brooded over the face of the deep, Genesis chapter 1, says the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit, which brooded over the primal waters in Genesis, descends upon Jesus in the Jordan River. And I would contend there's also in this passage an allusion to the story of Noah, which also takes place in the book of Genesis. Right? As Noah sent out the dove to find new life after having gone through the floodwaters, so does the Spirit descend as a dove on Jesus, and so does he descend at our baptism and indwell us and give us new life. It's a work of new creation. So Christ has been made manifest to the world. The light has shone in the darkness. As the colic says, Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. Manifestation. Jesus Christ has been revealed, made manifest to the world. The second word is illumination. Illumination. And so how is it that we become enlightened, illuminated? How is it that we see the light of the world? How is it that we come to know him? Well, I would contend that we come to know him, we come to know Jesus Christ, the same way as those disciples did on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. They came to know the risen Jesus through scripture and in the breaking of bread. So just to remind you, in the risen Jesus appears to them. And uh, Luke, this is Luke chapter 24, verse 27. It says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. It's an amazing statement. He shows them how the scriptures... Hey, all that is about me. Now, this is going to sound remedial. It, it might sound even perhaps condescending. It's not intended to be. But we need to remember that the scriptures are all about Jesus. The scriptures are for our good, but they're not primarily about us, right? They're about Jesus, and we need to keep that in the forefront, our, the forefront of our minds as we're praying them, as we're, as we're reading them, as we're singing them. For example, when we pray the Psalms, primarily what we're doing, yes, of course, when we read the Psalms, particularly the Psalms of David, we can find ourselves in those Psalms. We connect with them. There, there's things that are in the Psalms that are, that are common to the human experience. But I would contend Primarily, we are praying about Christ as Christ, that is, in the person of Christ. Second, we are praying as his mystical body, glorying in 
what uh, his victory is, his victory over sin and death and the devil, and that we share in that victory by virtue of our union with him. So Psalm 40, incredible psalm, today's psalm, verses 1 and 2. says, I waited patiently upon the Lord. He stooped to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the desolate pit, out of the mire and clay. He set my feet upon a high cliff and made my footing sure. The ancient church would have immediately thought of primarily that this is primarily about the father raising Jesus Christ, the son from the dead on that first Easter morning. Another example, verse nine, in the role of the book, it is written concerning me. I love to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is deep in my heart. Who is speaking and who is being spoken of? It's Christ. He is the one who delights in the will of God, even unto the cross. Not my will, O oh Lord, but yours be done. I would encourage you, as you read the scriptures, by yourself. And when you read the scriptures on your own, you're never reading them on your own. You're reading them with the church, right? You're reading them with the ancient church. And we're reading them together and corporately. But I would encourage you, as you read, for example, the New Testament, pay attention to how the writers of the New Testament make use of the Old Testament, and for those of you who are, you know, burgeoning Bible scholars, I think what you'll notice is that they treat the scriptures and they approach them very differently than what we oftentimes see in modern scholarship. First and foremost, the scriptures are read Christologically. That is what, asking first and foremost, what does this say about Jesus Christ and the work which he's done in us and through us and for us? Illumination. We are illumined. We are enlightened. We encounter the living Christ in the scriptures. That's what happens to the road to Emmaus, uh, Luke 24. But also in the breaking of bread, the text says. Now that's an overt reference to the Holy Eucharist. It's not just saying, well, they, they found some good restaurants to go eat at. So don't be discouraged if you're like on a keto diet and you're like, well, I don't really eat bread. What's in it for me? Sort of thing. This is talking about the Holy Eucharist. You know, in Acts chapter 2, where it talks about the early church and it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to um, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. That's a reference to the sacramental life in Acts 2.42 and following. It's not just saying they, they like to get together and eat. Luke 24, verses 30 and following. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? To us. We are, as the Collect says, illumined by word and by sacraments. 
And that's the prayer, that's the desire. As the gospel is read in our midst, that we would see it for what it is, that Christ is standing in our midst and proclaiming in his gospel to us, and that we would say, as those disciples said, we're not our hearts burning within us. And that as we come and we kneel and we receive the very body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as his body is broken and given to us, that our eyes would be opened and we would encounter not simply doctrine or not simply theological erudition, but that we would encounter the living Christ himself and be transformed. Because if we're not doing that, we're wasting our time because we were made for God for his glory, to know him, to see him, to behold him, to be united with him. And so we seek him and nothing else. Almighty God, whose son, our savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that thy people, illumined by thy word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. So Jesus Christ is the light of the world, manifestation, word and sacraments, illumination, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, transformation or change. What happened to Moses after he had been in the presence of God? He, actually, he was physically different. He was shining. He was, he was glowing. He was radiant. And when we behold God, when we come to know him, when we are more and more united with him, we are changed. We become like him. We become new creations. We become little lights that point to the light of the world. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. You realize he also said to us that you are the light of the world. We're little lights that point to the big light. And we can say as the church that that he lifted me out of the desolate pit, out of the, the mire and clay. He's changed us. But that's, of course, not to imply that our transformation is complete. The Christian life is a life of repentance and renewal and transformation. The the Lamb of God is continually cleaning off the muck and the mire. He's, He's remaking us continually into his own image through his person and work and by his precious body and blood. Thus, We don't need to despair, and I'm speaking autobiographically here, I'm not going to judge you, but we don't need to despair by our apparent lack of progress in the Christian life. We can despair and say, forget it. We need to continue to press into the living and risen Jesus and the life of his church and knowing his promises. We have a wonderful promise today in our epistle reading. Did you catch it? 1 Corinthians 1, where Paul is right. If you know anything about the church of Corinth, they needed help, right? They're, they're a mess. When, when, the, when the bishop is writing a letter to you and say, guys, the temple prostitute thing, not great. Let's stop that, right? There's some serious problems in Corinth. But I'm glad that Corinth is in the Bible because if God is not done with, was not done with them, then perhaps he's not done with us. Paul writes, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have everything you need for life and godliness, in other words. 
he will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You have a calling. You have an identity. If, you know, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ, you have a calling and identity as a son of God, as a daughter of God, and God is faithful so that you will become what he has created you to be. And so don't be discouraged and don't believe the lies of the evil one that say that you really don't belong to God and that you're really not one of his. The fourth word is evangelization, which I know scares some of us as Episcopalians because we get images of someone on a, on a street corner uh, with a cardboard sign and, and a Sharpie marker that like repent for the kingdom of heaven in his hand, stand in traffic, screaming at people, which we, we could try that maybe. Um, but the colleague says, grant that thy people illumined by word and sacraments may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory that he may be known, worshiped and obeyed by his holy huddle over in Horizon West. No, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Today's gospel, it ends with what? After John goes into his thing about how Jesus is the one that was promised as Messiah and recounts the baptism, it goes into the calling of the 12 disciples, which is the renewal. Why were there 12? Well, this is the renewal of the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. This is the calling of the church, which has this vocation to preach the gospel in word and in deed to all the world. The 12 were called to be fishers of men. And then Jesus says to his apostles after the resurrection, as the father has sent me, so now I am sending you. So we're, we're, we're not called, again, to be a holy huddle, but to preach the gospel in word and deed to every living creature. Do you guys remember, did any of you grow up singing the Sunday school song, This Little Light of Mine? Do we know that song? I'm, I'm not going to sing it, but you, I love the one verse, which is really fun when you're a kid. Hide it under a bushel and then you scream, no, I'm going to let it shine that this is not just for us, but, but for the life of the world. And this is something that happens organically, that as we come to love Jesus more and more, we want to we share him. We want other people to know about it. And, and again, that's an organic thing. And we do this all the time. We evangelize all the time. It just matters, like, what gospel are we preaching? When we go to a really good restaurant, we're, we're, we tell everybody that, oh, you got to go to this place, you got to go to this place, you know? Because when we're excited about something, we want other people to get in on it. And that's how it works in the life of the church. We aren't to hide our light under a bushel, we're to let it shine. And why? So that we can self-righteously draw attention to ourselves. Is it for the glory of All Souls Episcopal Church? No, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See how that works? 
They see your good works so that they come to know God and they give him glory. Human beings were made for God to see God and to know God. And so we share what God has done and is doing in us so that people might receive him for whom they were created. And we do this in humility, recognizing that we are all very much still works in progress. But thanks be to God, God doesn't wait until we're perfect to use us. Because if he waited for that, he'd be waiting a long time, like forever. He uses us to make all things new, while at the same time, he's making us into new creations. Manifestation, illumination, transformation, and evangelization. God has revealed himself supremely as the crucified and risen one. The light shined in the darkness. And as the psalm says, in your light, we see light. So as we behold the light and the Lamb of God in scripture and in sacrament, we are illumined and we are changed and we begin to shine. And as our little lights, which point to the light, shine before men, then those living in darkness are able to say with us, we have seen a great light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.